Welcome to the Cutting Edge Ministries podcast. Our mission is threefold. One, to explain the goals and aspirations of the New World Order. Two, to explain how its implementation will affect the average American citizen and family. And number three, to show how families are being influenced now before we actually move into this system. Armed with this information, you will learn how you can protect yourself, your children, your family, your loved ones and friends, and live a triumphant Christian life in a most difficult world. And now, to our podcast. Hey, welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast. This is Jim, and today I'm here with Mac Dominic, and we just did something very exciting this morning. We filmed our next video, and I'm really excited about it. There was so many good things in here, and so Mac, I want to ask you, um, you start off in this video, and, and I want you to tell us what the title is, and then uh, also you start off with a spiritual attack versus a human attack in Ephesians 6. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, uh, good to be here, Jim, by the way. Yeah, glad um, to have you. I, and I'm stuttering already. <laughs> uh, the uh, The title of the presentation is Deliver Us From Evil. Uh, we know in the Lord's Prayer, uh, that's, uh, that is a phrase that Jesus Christ used in, in the, when he taught the disciples to pray. And one of those was deliver us from evil. And so we have to understand, we're trying to come to an understanding with this, uh, with these videos of what is evil? Where did it come from? Where did it originate? Uh, and then we go into the three rebellions of Genesis 1 through 11, which talk about both spiritual and human rebellions. Uh, and so we see where evil came into the world, and we will uh, see where evil goes and how it comes out. That sounds really great. Um, I, uh, I've gotten to see this already, and I'm, now I'm going to have to get into the studio here and do do all the edits and put it all together so we can get it out there for everyone else to share with us this information. Um, one of the things you mentioned in here, which I found very interesting, and, and I know it's such a reality, is Biden's anti-Israel agenda. Um, you talk a little bit about that in here. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, we didn't spend much time on that, but I just read just yesterday, I believe, that uh, the Biden administration is now financing the Palest financing and arming the Palestinians against the Israelis. Uh, but we know from the news just in the last uh, few weeks that Biden is uh, being very nasty toward uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. Uh, he will not invite him to Washington. They are turning their backs on the nation of Israel. Uh, and the, well, I should say the state of Israel, uh, and, um, and just like the Obama administration did. And it's very disconcerting to me because we know that the promise God made to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant that says, I will bless him that blesses thee and curses him that curses thee, uh, it does, has not expired. And the nation of Israel, whether uh, whether they are all believing Jews or not believing Jews, they are still the gathering of God's chosen people. And and you know we look back on our history and how Harry Truman 
because of his Christian beliefs, was the first to endorse Israel as a nation when that happened in 1948. And we've got, we had the Obama administration and now the Biden administration that is turning their backs on Israel. And it's very concerning because, uh, the Bible is very clear. I will curse him that curseth thee. And it's a good way to, to bring destruction or, or bad things for at the very minimum on the United States of America. Yeah, it's amazing to, to see mm-hmm. how little understanding there is of, of the Bible in our capital. And you do talk about the capital. It was mentioned by several as a temple of democracy. And I didn't know this. The definition of of what capital is. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the word capital, uh, and the designation of the capital came from the erection of the Temple of Jupiter during Roman times. Uh, and when they were building that temple, they found a human skull, uh, in the ground where the, where the temple construction was going on. So the word capital is basically a def, the definition came from a head, and in this case, a severed head. Uh, and, um, and so that's where the word came from was for, and the, so the temple of Jupiter was called the capital. Uh, and so the, uh, the, Founding fathers of the United States of America, uh, most of them wanted to call the the meet, the building of the meeting place of the Congress and the uh, and the government the House of Meeting. But Thomas Jefferson uh, got a hold of that, and he wanted to name it after the Temple of Jupiter uh, and call it the Capitol. Oh. And that's and that's exactly where it came from. And when you start talking about the Capitol as a temple, that makes things really interesting. And we when we talk in the presentation about how uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Chuck Schumer talk about the Capitol building as the temple of democracy. Well, a temple is a building that is the dwelling place of a god. Now, and you have to ask the question of what God lives there, if that's what this building actually is. We do know that on top of the Capitol building, on top of the dome, is a statue is a statue of Minerva, or also known as uh, Athena in uh, Greek mythology. And Athena was the daughter of Zeus and Metis. Metis was an, one of the oceanid daughters of the Titans. Zeus, of course, was the son of Kronos, uh, the Titan, uh, and the, uh, and the uh, head of the Greek pantheon, the Greek Olympians. Uh, and we can pretty much equate, according to the, the, uh, the words in Revelation and the words of Jesus Christ, we can pretty much equate Zeus with Satan himself. So we have to ask, what God are they talking about if it's actually a temple? Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing that that goddess has been up there all my life. And until they took her down to clean her about 10 years ago, I didn't even know she was there. Yeah, exactly. So, well, they, you know, you, all you can see is a little black thing. You, know, you yeah, can't really tell yeah. what it is. But the, the whole idea here is why would you put a mythological creature like this over your place where your laws are made, especially since U.S. law came from English law, which basically derived from the Ten Commandments? Oh wow. And and we've really tried to separate ourselves from that and from 
the people in our capital have tried well, to separate yeah, us from they, the Ten they, Commandments. They are, and, and, you know, the Ten Commandments are are prominently displayed in the Capitol Rotunda, but they exist there with all the other pagan Im- imagery that goes along with it. And we do have a lot of pagan Im- imagery all over our capital and, yep. and all over this nation. Um, let's move on and, and uh, just bring up, in part one, we talk about interdimensional rebellions. And that's a really interesting, you know, I start thinking of science and a lot of these movies we have here where things move in and out of dimensions. What is the biblical idea of this? Well, well, the biblical, biblically, we have to understand that there are some things that our scientists have gotten right. Uh, you know, the physicists talk about, when you talk about string theory, in order for string theory to work, there have to be at least 10 dimensions. Uh, and, and we're talking about parallel dimensions that exist outside of our reality. Well, the Bible tells us that there is a spirit world aside from our physical world. So that is an alternate dimension and it, and it exists outside of our reality because our reality, we're, we are trapped in our, you know, height, depth, width, and time. And we can't go back in time. We can't go forward in time. We can't get out of our own, uh, our own dimensionality, which physicists tell us is, uh, from 10 to the minus 33, uh, minus 33 centimeters to 15 billion light years. So we are caught in our dimension, but God and the spirit world is outside of that. God is not bound by time and space and these and spirits that dwell uh, outside of our, outside of our physical reality are not bound by time and space either. And so that, so when you talk about, when you look at that, we see the appearance of angels, the appearance of, of demons, if you, if, if you would, uh, the appearance of demons, the appearance of angels, and even Jacques Vallée said that UFOs are, um, are manifestations of interdimensional space, uh, interdimensional craft, not spacecraft that traveled around our universe, but they came from another dimension. So, so it's, it's pretty valid. It's a pretty valid, uh, uh, assumption, uh, when, from a physics perspective, but it's a very valid fact from biblical, from a, from a biblical, uh, analysis. It's, it's amazing how much, uh, in the, Hollywood and movie industry that we see of their version of this. So it's good that in this video we're going into the biblical aspects of that. Um, you talk about reversal of rebellions and because in part one we talk about the rebellion of Satan, the sons of God, rebellion at the Tower of Babel. What about the reversal of the well, rebellions? Well, let, let's back up a minute and, 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 and tell the audience here what we're doing. We're going to start when we when we look at this whole idea of deliver us from evil, we're going to look at the three major rebellions that occurred in Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 11 that molded mankind's destiny and man, mankind's direction from that point on and still applies to us in our world today. And that is the fall of man and the fall of Satan. We're going, we combine that into one, which we handle in this first, first, uh, segment that we're doing. Then we're going to do the rebellion of the, uh, 
um, of the Watchers in Genesis chapter 6, which had a huge impact on humanity. As a matter of fact, it resulted in the flood taking place. And then the third rebellion, which is at the Tower of Babel, which also has a huge impact on even our world today. So, and all three of these are evil rebellions. They were, they were not, uh, they were not things that God said, okay, let's do this. No, these came from evil sources. And so God will reverse all three of these rebellions. And we, and as we look at part two of our study, and this probably will not take place to segments three and four, but we will see the reversal of all three rebellions and how God is going to step in, reverse these rebellions and set up his kingdom on earth. Okay, I look forward to that. I really do. Um, It'll take us a while to get yes, there. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we started putting things on flash drives now, too. I'm glad they've got lots of room. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, let's see. We talk about something really interesting here, dragons, myth or reality. I know when I was in China, the Chinese people see mm-hmm. dragons as a symbol of good luck. Yeah. Um, we see them in the way they're portrayed in Hollywood movies as monsters. They attack the earth, and then there's this superhero that comes, and that superhero rescues us. You know, and as you close later in this, we talk about the one who rescues us. Can you talk a little sure. bit about these monsters in the Bible? And and we cover these in, in your video. We cover them very well, but just give us a little taste. Yeah, well, well, the, the thing about it is, is that in the in the word of God, we see a right off the we, we see a fire breathing dragon in the book of Job and in Isaiah and in Psalms. We see a fire-breathing dragon, and the name, and this dragon is named is named Leviathan. Yes, we do. Now, now there are there are some good Bible teachers that believe this is a dinosaur, but you, but when you look at all the scripture regarding Leviathan, and there Leviathan is mentioned six times in the Old Testament. When you look at all six of these passages, and I think we look at four or five of them uh, in our present, maybe all six in our presentation, uh, you see that this cannot be a dinosaur. This is a whole lot more than a dinosaur. And then you have another one in there by the name of Rahab that is also a fire breather that God defeats. The Bible tells it tells us that God is going to defeat, ultimately defeat Leviathan and and so forth. But then it gets really interesting when you start looking at the pagan myths, pagan creation myths in Babylon, in Greece, uh, and, in, and in Canaan, uh, we see, uh, well, it was actually in, in uh, Ugarit where we get the documentation from this, but the, but in Babylon, Greece, and Canaan, we see that their, their gods, whether it, whether it be Baal, whether, uh, it be Marduk, or, uh, or the, or, uh, Zeus, they, in their creation myths, all of these gods defeat dragons. And some of them are seven-headed dragons. Uh, some of them match perfectly the description of Leviathan. Uh, in the example of, uh, of Babylon, Marduk 
uh, defeats this dragon in Tiamat in the sea, and he he takes half of it's a, a female half of half of her becomes the land and half of her becomes the oceans. So we see historically all this going on, and so there are scholars, and I would say liberal scholars that say, okay, uh, the writings of the Bible are 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 younger or newer than these writings uh, that were found in in Ugarit of of. Uh, of the Baal cycle, uh, and these, and these other writings that were found in Babylon. So the Bible writings are newer. So all they were doing is they were copying and making a, a Judaized version of what, what the, what the myths were previously. And so it's nothing but a polemic and an attack on those, those gods. Well, it certainly is an attack because the truth is often an attack. So what we, what we're seeing in the Bible is the truth as opposed to the myth that we see in Babylon, Greece, and Ugarit. But, um, but we're not going, I'm not going to tell you yet because we'll get to that in, in, in future segments exactly what is going on here. But it's something, you know, I, I've been, you know, at my age, I've been in church uh for uh, quite a few years yes me too. you know pushing <laughs> 70 okay i've been i'm pushing 70 years in church and until i started until i started getting into this and when i started reading about this about three years ago i was like i have never heard a teacher or a preacher even mention the word leviathan uh, in, uh, in, mm-hmm. in my, in, in Bible studies. And so, you know, until the guy that started talking about Leviathan is a dinosaur. And then I was like, okay, Leviathan is a dinosaur. That makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something that Christians hear nothing about, but it's in the Bible and dragons are in the Bible and it's a number of dragons in the Bible and we go into all of that. And so we will conclude with a, with with a um, with a biblical explanation for all of this. Well, that's good. We do need it. I, I remember when I first met you, you were actually the Sunday school teacher where I was. I had just changed churches, and uh, you were the Sunday school teacher there. And and I went, wow, I've just never heard of this, but it's <laughs> it's in the Bible. Why didn't I see this? I've read it through. I need to read it again. That's right. And so it was really good. And and I appreciate you so much from that. From that perspective, especially, um, are these real or symbolic? These dragons. I know I'll tell I, you later. I'll tell okay. you later. All right, let's save that <laughs> one for later. All right, you go into Genesis three. We talk about spiritual warfare, the fall of man, and the fall of Satan. I wanted to ask you. You kind of blew my mind a little bit here. In Genesis, I always thought the fall of Satan was described. You know, and I've read it. Why didn't I not know this? It. You said more of it comes from Paradise Lost than from Scripture? Yeah, as a matter of fact, and I, and I have to give credit where credit is due uh, on that. I learned that from Dr. Luis Marcos uh, in his book, Heaven and Hell. Uh, and anyone that wants to look him up on the Internet and, and buy his stuff, he's excellent. He's an excellent uh, scholar. Uh, but, uh, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, is through our traditions— uh, and we, I think we get trapped in church on traditions a lot. And we really, we'll, we really don't realize it as much. But in our traditions, we always, we thought of, and, and I read a, uh, a, I read from Dwight Pentecost in one of his works. He talked about, uh, the, 
uh, God defeated Satan and his angels, and because of this defeat, he created the heavens and the earth to have a, a place to show that he is he he rules and Satan doesn't rule, and that sounded really logical to me, you know, uh, from from what uh, from what I had thought all along in church, but you know, I started. I started reading uh, Dr. Marcos, and and he said, this is not in the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's in the Bible. But guess what? That is not in the Bible. There is no place in the book of Genesis that talks about <clears throat> Satan's rebellion, what, what went on, where it went on, when it went on, because Satan does not show up until Genesis chapter 3, when he comes to Eve. Oh, and guess what? He's not even called Satan there. He's in the Hebrew. He's, the word is Nakash. Uh, in, in our, in our translations, we see the serpent, which comes from the Greek Septuagint. But, but Satan shows up as a shining, semi-divine creature and deceives Eve. And we do not know if Satan decided that very day that he was going to come and rebel against God, or if he rebelled against God earlier, or actually when it happened. We have to conclude that we just don't know, and with the data that we have, we're not going to know. Now, in the book of Revelation, it talks about how the dragon drew a third of the stars with his tail from heaven, but but then it got. But then, uh, in a later verse in that same passage in Revelation twelve, it talks about there was war in heaven, and Michael and his and the and God's angels faced off against Satan and his angels, and Satan and his angels were cast out, and they were cast into the earth. But it gives us a but it gives us a fix on the timing of that when it says woe to the inhabitants that are in earth because Satan is now cast down to you and knowing he has but a short time. You know, that certainly contradicts Milton's uh Milton's description of this this primeval primeval war in heaven where when Jesus was declared as the as the one that was going to be the Messiah and Satan got mad, and Jesus raised an army in heaven. They pushed them back to the gates of heaven, and because they because they were going to be shoved, they all jumped off and fell for nine days onto the earth. And Satan became the and the and the earth opened up its mouth, and hell opened up, and they went right into hell. And Satan said it was better to rule in hell than to be a servant in heaven. And and so and, and so none of that is in the Bible, but it's in Milton. Oh, wow. It's, you know, I, I think about a lot of what authors and songwriters have given us. That oh, exactly. Really an addition to the exactly. Bible. I mean, and, and the artist who've done the paintings of the Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. There's a snake there. That's right. You know, and it, we, you talk about it a lot in the video and go into that. So I'm going to leave that part for the video. You talk about the fall of man. And this was really interesting to me because you, you talk about Eve believed a lie. Yeah. But Adam was responsible. Yeah. Why is that? Well, well, the truth is, and from, and, and when we, you know, when we read the, the word of God so often, especially passages like this that we get so familiar with, we just kind of read through it and we leave our brains completely disengaged. 
from what's going on. But when you read the Word of God and you use your brain and you think to, through it, it is, becomes very obvious that Eve believed the lies of Satan. You shall not die. You shall be as gods. You know, in the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil was something good to be desired. And so, yes, she disobeyed God, but she believed the lie. She was completely deceived. Adam, on the other hand, was not deceived. He went into this with his eyes wide open. His wife, his wife, who God created just for him, uh, who he loved more than anything else, uh, came to him with this fruit and said, look what this has done for me. Look what it can do for you. And he knew God had said, no, you're not going to do, you're not going to do that. He knew that he would die if he did it, but he loved his wife more than he loved God, and he went in with his eyes wide open. So Eve was fooled. Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. So therefore, because he was not deceived, Adam was completely responsible for what happened. And that's rebellion. And that's rebellion. That's rebellion against God. Exactly. Um, You talk after this about the seed of the woman and the seed of Abraham, and I'm going to kind of leave that to the video, but uh, I want to... Talk just a minute about those Hollywood movies. You know, there's always a rescuer and he's a man and he gets his power from somewhere else. Yes. You know, tell us about our rescuer and how he's different in his power than this other. Well, this is, this is really interesting. You know, I, and this is not in the video. So this is, <laughs> this is something free for the listeners. This of the is podcast. A special. <laughs> this is a special for the listeners of the podcast. In our church, our, our pastor was, um, is preaching on discipleship. And in his opening sermon on discipleship, his text was Matthew 28, where you go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Right. right. You know, Very interesting thing there, because when he was reading that verse, when he was reading that verse, he started in in verse 18, and he said, And Jesus came and spake unto them and said, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And I was sitting there listening to him, and I'm like, wait, Wait a minute. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth, and go ye therefore. You know, we have an old saying in independent Baptist circles that when you see therefore in the Bible, you need to ask the question, what is it there for? What is it there for? And it says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Does that imply that Jesus did not have all power? Prior to that time, isn't he God? Yes. Isn't God omnipotent? Yes. But you read back in Daniel chapter 10 when the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ was talking to the prophet Daniel and, and the, and he told Daniel that, uh, I was, I was going to come to you sooner, but the prince of, per- prince of Persia held me up and I, Michael had to come help me defeat him. You remember that passage? I do remember that. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, and so the, uh, he, um, so we have to understand that there are, and the Prince of Persia in this case was an evil entity. 
And so we have to understand that there are evil entities, the seed of the serpent out there, that were given power from God that actually could keep God himself from doing something because that's the power he gave to him. I mean, that's not a slap in God's omnipotence, but that it, but that has to be the reality based on what we see in Scripture. But in Matthew chapter 28, because, and, we, and, and we just, we also gloss over the resurrection power. We think of, we think of, well, that gives us power to live our lives and, and overcome sin in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all those are true. But when you start looking at spiritual warfare and spiritual war, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, went and preached to the spirits in prison, which is not in this video. That's, that's, yeah, that's another story. Another <laughs> that's another story. When Jesus went and preached to the spirits that were in prison, we read about that in, in Peter. That's, those are, those are the ones from the rebellion that we'll be talking about. And he told them what he preached to them was not that there was an opportunity for them to be saved. He was actually, he actually preached to them. Their doom was sealed and he was going to tell them, guess what? I'm leaving, but you're staying. Yeah, and so, well, yeah, so that's bad news. Yeah, and that's bad. That's bad news. And so, so he at that point was was relaying his power that he now had. And not only that, and we will discuss this in a later episode of this uh, of of this series. That not only that, but we find in Revelation chapter one and verse eight that he, Jesus made the statement, "I now have the keys of death and hell." Do you realize that death and hell in that verse were personal words and those personal nouns and those nouns are death, Thanatos, which is a Greek god, and Hades, which is a Greek god, the brother of Zeus, by the way. Um, And so Jesus will take the keys of death and hell, take those keys away from from uh, Thanatos and Hades, he will unlock those gates and he leads captivity captive, as we see in the book of Ephesians, all all those souls that were in the paradise section of the underworld because they could not go into the presence of God because their sins were just covered with the blood of bulls and goats. They weren't forgiven. But now Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood that was efficacious, that expunged their record. They became completely free. Their, those souls were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus took those keys, which he forcefully took, from Thanatos and Hades, unlocked the gates of hell, took them back into the presence of the Father. And by doing all that, that empowered, that gave him, that resurrection power was the power that he was given over everything that was in heaven, everything that was in earth. And now we as Christians have access to that power. That's amazing. You know, when I think about those superheroes in the movies, their power comes from a suit or maybe something from the occult or some sort of magic, but this this is the real power. This is the real this thing. Is the this is the this is the real ultra supernatural power. And that's what he was saying in Matthew. He was saying all power is given to me in heaven and earth and that he didn't have before. 
because because we know in Daniel that he didn't have before that he but he he intentionally did not allow himself to happen before. That's the best way to put it. That he intentionally did not allow himself to have before, but now because of his work on the cross and his work in the time that he was in the underworld in the three days in the in the grave, because of that work, that power was given to him. Therefore, we although we know that we're in a spiritual war, Jesus Christ has is imbued is is has imputed unto us the access to the power of all powers, principalities, rulers of 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 darkness, and all of those words that describe those entities, those spiritual entities, in the New Testament. That's amazing, and and so wonderful to think that Jesus, who is God, yes, is our rescuer, our redeemer. And Mac, I thought about something as we were talking about this. All of the stuff he's rescuing us from that we think about and the evil in the world and and all of that, he rescues us from our own evil. That's right. Our own sin. That's it. That's it. Because we are, we are intentionally sinners. We are. We are. That's right. Just as Paul said, I find myself doing things I shouldn't and uh, not doing the things I should. That's right. Well, if that's not a description of the members of the church, <laughs> I, don't know exactly. what, exactly. I don't know what is. Exactly. So uh, where do we go from here? What's next? Give us a little teaser. Well, uh, the the next, the next uh, thing that I am researching uh, is the title of it is A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, it's, the, it's the story of Babylon versus Jerusalem from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to study the location of the Garden of Eden because that is, I'll just give you a hint, that is Jerusalem, uh, the, the, and Mount Zion. We're going to talk about the, the location of the Garden of Eden, everything that went on at the Tower of Babel. Now we will get a lot of that in this as well. Uh, but, but it, but we'll go into more details on what, what happened at the Tower of Babel, because Babel, do you realize that Babylon, the word Babylon is in the Old Testament, I believe, uh, 220 times. And I'm, that's a lot. Uh, my, yeah, I'm, my memory's, I'm having a senior moment here, but I believe it's right at 220 times. There's only twice that it's not translated Babylon. But that same word is translated Babel in Genesis 11 twice. But it is really Babylon because there is no reason not to translate it Babylon. They just, the translators did that to differentiate it, differentiate oh, okay. it. From this, from, you know, but the question is, it's, should it be differentiated? And mm. so, so we're going to, we're going to get into all, of, yeah. we're going to get into all of that. We're, we're going to get into, uh, the history of Babylon, uh, the, what goes on with Babylon in the Bible, and we'll go all the way to the future and the fall of Babylon in, in Revelation 7 and 17 and 18 and the establishment of the New Jerusalem and where all that came from. It's going to be, just as exciting as this stuff is. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, so our next in, in the Deliver Us from Evil, yeah. that's going to be, we're going to be getting into rebellion number two, the seed of the serpent. The, yeah, that we'll and get so, it. We'll, because, uh, we will see the seed of the serpent in both rebellion two and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be the Watcher's Rebellion and Rebellion at the Tower of Babel. 
and then and then we will get then we're going to look we're going to look at some real exciting things about the God, Greek gods and goddesses and the Roman gods and goddesses and how they all and how they all morphed from how for instance Zeus and Baal are one and the same uh and and uh and Jesus then you know just one interesting thing I'll point out uh Jesus basically said Baal was Satan when he used the term Beelzebub and then in Revelation where John said per, the people in Pergamos de- dwelled where the seat of Satan is. And that was the big temple to Zeus, the one that Adolf Hitler duplicate. Well, they, well, they brought that, they brought that whole temple into a, into a museum in, in Berlin, but they duplicated it in Nuremberg where he had all of the rallies, which was a, a duplication of the temple of Zeus. But the Reve- the book of Revelation said that was Satan's throne. So we know that Zeus, in in turn, was a manifest a later manifestation of Satan himself. Oh wow! And so we're <laughs> and we're gonna and so we're gonna get into the gods and goddesses and the and the uh, gods and goddesses in the Bible mm-hmm. because we want to give folks an idea of where all this evil came from and, and how it manifested itself and how we can learn from all that. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. I, I, um, I'm really looking forward to get into that. So I guess what I need to do now is get in front of the computer, put all get this busy. together. Let's get this done. Get this done. <laughs> and then you and I can come back into the studio here and, uh, get it all put together. That's right. So I want to thank you, Mac, for oh, being you're welcome. with us today. You're it, welcome. It's been fun as it always is. And, uh, the fun is just beginning. That's right. So, uh, if you want to find out more about Cutting Edge, just go to our website at cuttingedge.org. Uh, we've got a bookstore there that you can find all of Mac's previous videos. We've got so many. Um, just just go in there and look for them. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. And I want to thank you again, Mac, for, for being with us today. You're welcome, Jim. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you'll support this ministry primarily with your prayers. And if you feel the need or if God leads you to a donation, just visit our website at cuttingedge.org. And there you'll find a donations button. And this will allow you to make monthly donations or a single donation of any amount you choose. We do appreciate your support. And this keeps us on the Internet and keeps us going. We'll see you next week for another podcast. Thank you and God bless.